Can I just say, I thought our team music was going to be very like off the rails kind of vibes, but I actually, <laughs> I actually love it. It's a bit of a bop. Oh my God, the theme music's unbelievable. Every time I listen to it, I feel like I'm in some early noddies, um, like something to do with fashion and Lizzie McGuire comes on. St- you know, there's like random movies and like Lizzie McGuire comes and does a fashion show for no reason. And that's no, the music. No, not Lizzie. No, I feel like it's more Olsen twins, like early Olsen twins. Oh my God. Who would have thought that the Olsen twins would go on to do The Row? The Row. I know. The Olsen twins. That was a full like 360 degree change in direction. Really? If you if you had the money, would you buy it and would you wear it? Is that a stupid question? <laughs> no, no, no. 100%. 100 million percent. The row is, the row to me is the chicest thing you could possibly wear. The row isn't basic, but like, is it not a bit like, they're just, they're just trousers. They're just, they're just sandals. Nah, it's, it's a whole lifestyle. It's like, I actually, did you watch the, um, the Abercrombie documentary? That is on my radar for tonight. Okay, well, my I won't give it anything away, but I just mean that the same... Everyone used to wear Abercrombie because it said Abercrombie and you're wearing Abercrombie and it didn't matter if it was like a, a t-shirt that was terribly made and was thin and would probably rip in two minutes. It said Abercrombie. The row is... So the opposite of that, but also kind of the same, like there's no heavy logos. It's just really good shapes. But if you know, you know, and if you're wearing it, you're just like, Ooh, she's wearing the row. Yeah. But I'm wearing the row. I am. I own this room. I'm the baddest bitch in the room. And also if you wear the row, you can only have, um, like, like coffee with no milk or sugar and smoke cigarettes all day. And you can only, you can only drink vodka or gin. Yeah. Like dirty martinis. I'm just so the opposite of that. Like I had about 17 pints of Guinness at the weekend and I'm still suffering. You're still doing penance. I'm still doing penance. Yeah. (laughs) Penance is all my farts. But anyway, anyway. (laughs) We're not even two minutes in and we already got into the the farting. It's great. It's longer than we did last week. Um, Listen, how are you? How is your week? I'm good. I am mentally preparing myself for Mechala. Can you believe it's nearly Mechala Monday? I know it's... Like that means it's summer. That means it's summer. Yeah. What's that? Um. What's that? Uh. High School Musical song that's like summer. 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 Yeah. Summer. Yeah. Summer. yeah. Summer. Except we just be like mess. 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 We're so lame. Maybe this is why I have no boyfriend. Um. <laughs> so clear to me. What is your all-time favorite look of the Met Gala ever? All-time favorite. Whoa. Okay. Straight in there with a the heavy hitter. Straight in there. <laughs> um. Fucking hell. Oh. Uh. You think I would have done my homework? Um, to be honest, the was it 2019 notes on camp for me was perfection from top to bottom. In fact, I'm I'm even finding it hard to lift up that veil of notes on camp to to see my mind's eye who was wearing what because it was fabulous. It was it was fashion as it should be, fun, whimsical, fantasy, gorgeous. I wanted to see all those looks on the cover of a magazine. This is true. Do you remember Zendaya's look that year? She did like a Cinderella moment and it, the lights, it like it like lit up or something. Like uh, someone- Yes, because yeah. her stylist, La Roach, was dressed up as the fairy godmother and he had a wand and he did the wand movement and her dress lit up. To be honest, I didn't really like it. It's so funny. I saw a meme. Um, the other day and it was like uh, Zendaya uh, just announced that she cannot attend the Met Gala due to scheduling and someone was like okay so just change the date of the Met Gala <laughs> I know change it for Zendaya yeah it wasn't like that was definitely more like costumey and it had the whole magical effect but when it comes to pure 
pure fashion. I think uh, Celine Dion oh, every time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. fucking time. She just nails it. And actually, um, uh, Iman, as in OG supermodel Iman, wore Harris Reed. And if you don't know who Harris Reed is yet, you got to go and follow him. He is the hot ticket right now. And do you remember it? It was like this absolutely gigantic gold and like reed headpiece and like matching coordinating gown that had all these like layers and ruffles. Oh my God, I love this. I mean, you wouldn't exactly wear it day to day, but looked great on the Met Gala red carpet. I mean, yeah, you're not wearing any of the Met looks day to day. Kim Kardashian dressed in like, basically, it was literally like... It was like Kim Kardashian took a photo and someone cut her out of the photo. Like, literally, like. <laughs> One of my favorite looks from the Met Galas, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was camp. JLo was wearing this kind of like fringy headpiece thing. Her hair was like tied up. You couldn't see any of her own hair. And it was like this like wig, but it was made out of beads. It was giving very Circo Rattley kind of vibes. Very. Yeah, it was, I think it was Gucci, but it was like, I just loved it. I am living for uh, the memes, the memes. I, love I need more, Rih- I need more memes as Rihanna as a pizza. <laughs> 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 I know that, that lives imprinted. The, the Gaupe yellow oriental fur big dress lives in my brain rent free all the time. I know. And was her, she was wearing kind of like a hairband headpiece thing. I'm really here for milliners recently. I don't know what it is. I just, I really want to go to the races, do a big thing. I also can, Philip Tracy be my best friend. Here, Philip Tracy, if you're listening. Because um, <laughs> you are not a hat person. You are the complete opposite of a hat person. I'm the hat person. I know you're the hat person. I don't know. Like, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You are Katy Perry in Moschino her dress as the chandelier <laughs> no I take so much offense if to that if you're a Met Gala look you are Katy Perry as the Moschino chandelier in 2019 oh my god I take so much offense <laughs> to that I'm absolutely not a chandelier I'm like a chic like if if Brewer made he, make, he makes chairs I wouldn't I don't know what I'm trying to say here no I'm absolutely not that no do you remember <laughs> do you remember Kaya Gerber oh is it Gerber or Gerber Gerber <laughs> Kaya Burger. Kaya Gerbil. <laughs> What's her name? Kaya Gerber. Come on, get together. <laughs> Sorry. Kaya Gerbil. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you remember when Kaya Gerber wore the Oscar de la Renta dress in 2021? And it was like a flashback moment to, I think it was Jackie Kay. Back in McAlloway, back when? Oh, you, yeah. That, that is you. That is you. Wait, am I thinking of the right thing? And she's, oh, no, I'm thinking of, I think I'm thinking of Bianca Jagger when she's wearing the corset. Oh, black my God, thing. no, it was. Sorry. It was, it was like in an ode to Bianca Jagger. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So it's like a black corset, has a bit of flowery detail, then it like poofs out. Yeah, I would wear that. You would wear that really well, I think. You, you got a bit of hip yeah. going on. You got a bit of boobage. I have. Neve, are you joking? How long have we been friends? I have absolutely no boobs. I'm literally a triple A. I don't know. I think I think <laughs> you battery, would... maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've minus battery. I think you would wear um, I don't know, it has to be some pink anyway that you would wear. I'd feel like I'd wear something that Harry Styles would wear or Lizzo. And I just also remembered what who you would be if you went to the Met Gala and you would absolutely be the Lady Gaga doing four outfit changes <laughs> as she's walking up the stairs. Like I have seen that stairs in person. I have absolutely no idea how she did four outfit changes in in a walk of a stairs. Like she is an artiste. I think you would do that, though. 
I think I would too. But it I'd would be make Amara Earth into like Valentino or something, <laughs> or, or vice versa. Like, I, I don't would, know how you. I would, would take that. I would definitely take that combination. So this year's theme is all about America, and it's kind of like an anthology of fashion, and I suppose it's like celebrating the unsung heroes of U.S. design. And mm-hmm. I think for people who are, you know, they know what the Met Gala is, but they don't really get what it's about aside mm-hmm. from being like a big red carpet spectacle for fashion elite what it fundamentally does is it showcases and celebrates the costume institute's current exhibition so mm-hmm. last year just rewind the tapes a second the costume institute was hosting an exhibition called america a lexicon of fashion and this was a two-parter so you might remember last year there was a lot of like star-spangled banners on the red carpet well this yeah. year is part two and it's titled America, an anthology of fashion. And and the exhibition itself is going to be presented across, I think, like 13 of the rooms in the Met. And essentially what it's going to be doing is like shining a light on the names that have kind of been forgotten or overlooked, kind of like relegated into the footnotes of fashion history. So one of the main intentions of the exhibition is to spotlight the talents and contributions of all these designers. Actually, many of them were women. And then for the actual Mechala, well, I feel like we got a pretty good taster of what we can expect on Monday cue to JLo's Ralph Lauren Western gown. But I'm expecting a lot of red, white and blue and gilded glamour galore. Okay, interesting. So so I'm confused. So last year it was like majorly established big baller um, American designers. And this year is going to be like people who have been forgotten or like new up and coming designers or I'm confused. I think we'll see old school meets emerging designers. I mean, okay, it's open for debate. We haven't seen it yet, but I, I wasn't like completely loving Last year's red carpet? No, I thought it was really bad. The JLo Western Ralph Lauren gown just kind of haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see stuff from um just off the top of my head, I want to see stuff from Yoon. She's a she's the head of Dior um jewelry and she has her own brand called Ambush. And she um mm. I don't know if you know it. Do you know do you know her? Yeah. Her name is Yoon. Yeah. I want to see stuff like that. Like she has her own yeah, she has her own brand called Ambush and it, that does everything from jewellery to ready to wear to whatever. But she's just really hot at the moment. She's kind of taken over. She, she has really good taste. I think she's very on trend for what people are liking right now in terms of streetwear. So why not bring someone like her in to, to you know, mix in with, you know, your whatever you're wearing, like, you know, your Halston or whatever. You know what to new. do, don't you? You know what to do. Give Anna a call there. Be like, listen, come here to me. Have somebody for you. Yeah. Imagine me giving Anna Winter a call. Huh? Well, stranger things have happened. Uh, you had a lovely night out last week. You were at the wonderful ARC fashion show. I know. Oh my God. It was so good to go to that. I've actually never been to the ARC fashion show before. Just for anyone who doesn't know what the ARC show is, it is um, a fashion show where all funds go to ARC cancer support centers. So the designer that was opening the show is Helen Cody and she's an ARC ambassador. And then closing the show with Circle O'Reilly and both designers did um, collections specifically for the show. So basically I hadn't, I hadn't seen Helen's new stuff and the, the theme of it is like all about like optimism and love and, and like hope. 
and hope and it's mm-hmm. like I've never seen her do stuff like this before it's completely different mm-hmm. it's like it's electric there's bursts of color like it's it's so different and it's so exciting except you look at it and you're kind of like wow I can't believe this is Helen Cody and also at the same time because she's such an established designer after mm-hmm. a while you're like okay this does look like Helen Cody if that makes sense but it was it was unbelievable it was great and then obviously Circa Rally is like we meet like obviously the two of us absolutely love her she's dressed Beyonce Madonna Lady Gaga Grimes uh, like the list goes on she closed the show and um she just created something really really special and it was really nice to see her work in person because yeah. yeah I've been a fan from afar for years now and just the level of detail and craftsmanship like she's she's just a really special designer and she's so unique and isn't the isn't the atmosphere in the already was it in the RDS? It was in the RDS, yeah. Yeah, wasn't it, it, isn't the atmosphere just like absolutely electric? So like every year they they select a group of men and women who are going through cancer treatment and they ask them to um, the show. to walk in the show and they call yeah. them the Archangels. Yeah. And they get to wear these beautiful des- Irish designs and just like strut out, they get their hair and makeup done. And this is their moment to like literally like shine after what was probably an absolute shit show for them. Yeah. I was an archangel once in my life. Oh my God. Look at you go. <laughs> yeah. I was an archangel when I was, when I was finishing my cancer treatment. Do you remember who you were wearing? I was wearing Neve O'Neill. It was an amazing pink and lavender, um, like puffball gown. It was very me. It was very me. And I had Love lavender it. hair at the time. I don't, don't know who I was trying to impersonate, but uh, it was one of my <laughs> best memories. I just remember feeling it was something so special to be part of. And even if you're not into the fashion industry, I think go to it once in your life. It's an amazing charity to uh, to help support. I've used ARC Cancer Services. I know friends and family who've used it. So I'm so glad you went and you got to experience like kind of same like joy around fashion as I did. I know. Yeah. And when the Archangels came out, there was like, like without even hesitation, there was a standing ovation. I know, and, and tears. Uh, and tears. Yeah. It was like... It was it was a really special event to go to, and I can't believe I've left it so long. I'm so glad that I went. Did you also see that supermodel sprog Lila Moss made her debut for British Vogue? I know. What? Okay, hot take. What do you think about it? So, sorry, it's not a hot take. What do you think about it? It is a hot take. Yeah, I I love it. I I love the fact that it's a beauty shoot. Um, it gave me very Jean Shrimpton in the '60s vibes. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely stunning. Uh, I mean, when you are the offspring of somebody as famous and as beautiful and as successful as Kate Moss, I think you're naturally going to segue into a fashion career. Um, And I thought the cover story was brilliant, brilliantly written as always. And it was about how she's like carving her own path in the fashion industry. She's, she's an absolutely stunning model. She's, she was going to be successful, I think, regardless of her lucky gene pool. How, how old is she? She's only 19. It's nice to see her kind of like getting into her stride. I mean, she's she has one of the most beautiful faces I think I've ever seen. Like if there was a medal or an award for how symmetrical your face was, Lila Moss would get it. I know. And I think we have to remember that she's literally 16 and her eye bags haven't set in or maybe she'll never get eye bags. But I hope to God she gets eye bags because I will literally burst into tears. She's 19 and she probably will get eye bags, but (laughs) probably way later in life than you and I mere mortals will. You know, she kind of looks like Sydney Sweeney. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that too. She kind of does. Yeah. I mean, she's absolutely fabulous. And I think she has an, like, she absolutely has a big career ahead of her. I can't wait to see where she goes, to be honest. I don't want to be like super cynical, but this has been something that's been playing on my mind for years now. Tell us, like, come into my of the, office. One of, <laughs> um, welcome to my TED talk. Look, okay. Don't get me wrong. Bella Hadid is a very, very good model. She has the perfect type, you know, for first the model that we're so used to in terms of size she is she fits into it she's perfect she's a great walk she photographs really well she's just brilliant her mom's famous she got the role maybe easier than others same with Kendall Jenner same with Gigi Hadid maybe the same as uh Lila Moss here there's you can't say that about Jill Courtleve I actually cannot stop thinking about the Harper's Bazaar cover so Basically, the May issue of Harper's Bazaar every year, they release five covers. Um, Samira Nasser is just killing the game at the moment. She is. She's killing it. Yeah. And the May issue is always a beauty issue. So no better person to put on the cover than Jill Courtleve at Gila Tequila on Instagram. And I saw her a couple of years ago at the Chanel fashion show in February 2020. And I was a fan before that, about a year before that. And then I saw her in person. And I was like, damn. That girl's going to be big. And since then, she's been like the face of the Chanel. Like she's done so many things. She's been covering Vogue and everything. Like she's huge now. But like the reason why I like her so much is that this girl is the first girl we've seen that is the average body type for women. Yeah. So like myself included, my friends, like she is the average body type. We haven't seen that before. And she just doesn't give a shit. Like she'll put up Instagram stories of her waxing her mustache or a boyfriend waxing her mustache or facial hair or whatever. Like literally as a, as a daughter of a Trinidadian dad and an Irish mom, I have pale skin and dark hair and it's just so nice to see a model, you know, redefining beauty standards and she, she'll, she you know, have a unibrow and have like hair on the side of her cheek and everything. I always harp on about my forehead beard, but maybe I'll just <laughs> not wax the forehead beard anymore because Julia Tequila is now in the cover of Harper's Bazaar US. So I read Jill's interview in the May cover and she said, beauty is also a feeling someone gives you. It's how people carry themselves more than an attitude or a mindset than a physical thing. And I think that's what we really need to carry into you know, what we think of ourselves from now on, like Jill, don't get me wrong. Jill is a beautiful, beautiful woman, like what she has unapologetically been herself. And now she's on the cover of Vogue's and Harvest Bazaar and leading campaigns and walking Alexander McQueen shows and everything. Like it's unbelievable. Like this is the girl that comes out of Chanel shows wearing a gray hoodie and a, and a Detroit Carhartt jacket like she's so low-key so basically what you're saying is there's hope for you still there's absolutely hope no I actually (laughs) there's no hope for me there's absolutely no hope for me (laughs) so Neve, we have a very special guest on and it's all career focused and it's really really informative and funny and great but before we get into it I I actually want to ask you a few careery things and I want to know if you would have done anything different to get to where you are now. I'm just I'm just kind of curious. 
Do you know what? I wouldn't do a whole lot differently. I, I really liked kind of like the ups and downs that I've had so far. And all of the down parts happened for a reason. And everything was a learning curve. Everything afforded me a chance to learn and be better and do better. Honestly, it, every day is a school day for me. I learn something new or I try to every day. And mm-hmm. I try and be a sponge and just soak up all of the like wealth of knowledge around me as well. I mean, it doesn't always go in. It literally sometimes goes in one ear and out the fucking other. People were asking yeah. me, because I'm working remotely and because I live, you know, on the West coast of Ireland now away from everybody else, away from like the hustle and bustle of London, do I feel like my career is stagnant? And actually I, the complete opposite. I think I've had so much more space to put into my work and time, time to like work out problems. I don't know. I I can't, I'm even trying to struggle to find the words to explain it, but I don't think it's put a a halt or a stop on like career progression just because you're working remotely. And like, we have all these amazing digital tools. Like, yeah, obviously we all hate Slack and Zoom at the best of times, but like they've actually changed how people can access jobs for the better. And like, I always think about, you know, my friends who are disabled, who, you know, wouldn't have been able to access the workforce regularly before COVID. And it took a it took a global pandemic to kind of like equal the playing field and allow people with disabilities or who can't travel into an office to be able to be like part of the working culture. That's major. Like that, that is game changing. That's a cultural shift. I've actually never thought about that before, but that's a very good point. Yeah. It's definitely a weird experience to be working for big fashion magazines and big fashion brands, you know, you know, for, for a moment in time from all our parents' house and then from Ireland, I think, just back to your point of like getting headspace, but also working for brands that you love. Like you're obviously in the back arse of nowhere, surrounded by cows and fields. Mm. And I have a little bit that even like almost in Dublin, I know Dublin's a city, but I love the fact that I'm able to work for big luxury fashion magazines, six o'clock kits and I'm off to Grogan's. I just love that. Like, and I'm in leggings the whole day. I just you can't beat it's, it. It's the best version of you. Leggings and Guinness. Can't bait it. I know. Can't bait it. <laughs> I can't believe I just said can't bait it. <laughs> I've never said that once in my whole life. What about you? Like you're on a, you're the complete opposite end to me because you're an old school print designer. You're in 2019 and I'm in the year 2330. I need being completely honest. I'm very worried for my, uh, for my future Ellen because (laughs) I am the most stubborn person you'll ever meet I was terrible at school like at one point my mum literally was like you must you must be dyslexic or something like brought me for the test and I absolutely was and I was just terrible at everything and then I eventually found something that I loved and it was art and then I eventually was like okay I love this I love fashion how can I marry the two anyway long story short went into print and I was like oh my god I love print magazines. I love making something physical that holds a physical space in the world. And that, you know, you can go to a, you know, magazine archive, pull out something from 50 years ago. And it's like a time capsule. You can literally open it and you'll you'll be able to see what beauty trends were popular then. What were people writing about then? What was the new issue? Like, and it's so time specific as well. That's why I love it. And Although I love the internet and spend way too many hours on the internet a day, I just am very worried for future Ellen because I don't think, I don't see myself falling out of love with it. So I think you need to ask that same question to future Ellen rather than this Ellen, because future Ellen will say, I really wish like past Ellen copped on and did a little bit more digital work. I actually am changing job and I'm I'm coming out of magazines and I'm going to work in-house for a brand. 
which I'm very excited about. That's major. I know. I'm very excited about it. And I had a I had a moment in my career there a couple of weeks ago where I had to choose between the biggest fashion magazine in the world and go in-house for a brand. And honestly, it was it was a moment where I kind of said, listen, do I do the same job I've done many, many times? I can do it in my sleep, but it's for the biggest fashion magazine in the world. Or do I try something different? And maybe future Ellen will thank this Ellen now for doing that. I think you're so right. I think you can't grow in your career or personally, unless you step outside of your comfort zone and you're doing it. I know. I'm excited. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Are you wearing the the Chanel boots? Yeah, I am. Can you please spell Gabbana? We are buzzing to be joined by Sam Short, a.k.a. Andy Sachs from The Devil Wears Prada. She's here to tell us all about her very glamorous, very high, very low, low career as an executive assistant to an editor in chief of one of America's biggest fashion magazines. Do you know what? I just can't believe that I'm speaking to a real life Anne Hathaway. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that out loud, okay? <laughs> but like actually though, like, like actually Anne Hathaway. We got the real deal here. Uh, no, I was definitely out of Emily and Andy in that movie. Like I was absolutely the Andy. So hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. <laughs> so Sam, you were the executive assistant to an editor-in-chief of a very high fashion glossy magazine in New York. I sure was for almost six years. Oh my God, was it six years? <laughs> when I left, I learned that I was her longest running assistant. So I've seen Sam work in the flesh. I've seen Sam work in the flesh and like, we're, like this is us getting really into it now, but there's nobody else I know that I, that could do that job. That job takes a, you have to be very sound minded, be very patient. It's all high stress situations and you did it with such ease. And then you were a glam queen going into the office every day as well. Hair was always down, curled, the whole thing. And also Neve, I don't know if you know this on the side, on top of the stressful job, she was also an Equinox instructor. What? <laughs> I actually, you have more hours in the day than the rest of us. Oh my God, Molly May is turning in her bed right now. She does not have enough hours. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> to out myself a little, when you're like, I never showed stress, like that's simply because I have a lot of Botox and I just <laughs> cannot form stress on my face. So that's really the key to like, never let him see a sweat. Just like, don't be able to sweat. Oh my God. <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just block it all out. How close was your role to that of Anne Hathaway and Devil Wears Prada? I used to answer this question very differently. And I was like, it's nothing like that, like such a bad comparison. And I think I just wanted to convince myself so deeply that it wasn't that job. And it absolutely was. <laughs> Looking back, like, yeah, no, social life was very hard to come by. Balancing like any sort of relationship was very difficult. There was no work-life balance because you were always just on. Because it's basically the role of a PA is to be yeah. available 24-7 to the editor-in-chief. And to be clear, like, my job wasn't a personal assistant. That's not what the role is supposed to be, but oftentimes when you're in an administrative assistant or an executive assistant role, it's the lines are so blurry. And once you say yes to doing something, you're pigeonholed into that. 
Did you always want a career in fashion? Yeah, that was like the only life I saw for myself. I only wanted to work in magazines. At first, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. And then I quickly learned I have absolutely no talent in drawing. And then I got into photography and that's what I went to school for. And after like the first year, I was like, wow, I hate Photoshop and editing photos. So like, I don't want to do this either. Um, of course, like there's teams that can do that for you. And I know that now, mm. but I just didn't want to have to do it in school either. So I kind of finagled this like fashion photo major for myself and I did a ton of internships in college and they were all at magazines. And I was like, this is the life I want to be an editor. Can I ask, were, were they all unpaid internships or were they paid? Sure were unpaid. And like, so how, how many unpaid internships did you do? Six. <gasps> what? Actually, one gave me $10 a day. So luxury. Oh my God, I'm shook. And then I did have a, I also, while doing that, I always had a job. Right. So I had one summer job that paid me like $10 an hour. And I thought that that was high living right there. And I did that a couple times and then I had a job in college. So, and did you have the support of family around you in order to be able to do this? Yeah. Thank God. My mom, because when you intern in New York city, you have to find somewhere to live. Mm. So I did pay money to live in like NYU dorms, which is hilarious because they're pretty shit and they were very expensive. My mom helped me with that. You know, my first couple of years working in fashion, I was a freelancer. You're making $10 an hour. So luckily my mom was able to help me. And like, I don't come from money to be clear. So like she was hustling in order for me to hustle. You were grafting. Yeah. Like on the side, I was babysitting. Like I wasn't I wasn't living luxuriously, you know, when you do enter the industry from scratch, not knowing everybody, you just got to put in the grind and the graft like all of the time. Absolutely. 100%. Like being in this industry and not coming from money makes it wildly challenging. I mean, it's hard to get into the industry in general um, unless you know someone. But other than that, like if you're coming, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, like I want to work in fashion. Like you have had to have so many internships just for someone to even acknowledge your email or so many rejection letters or emails or phone calls fully going to America. I was like, I had an internship, unpaid internship in image magazine. They were paying my petrol to get there. Right. But long story short, anyway, I, I fell in love with magazines there and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York. And then went to New York and was like, I'm absolutely just going to get a job obviously in, in GQ. Like, and then absolutely did not get the job in GQ, but I was literally, I think I genuinely sent 300 emails mm. and I heard back from 15, maybe mm. it's mad. Like I was going to say the amount of jobs that like you get turned down for that you are wildly qualified for. Yeah, I'm like, I could do this one in my sleep. What do you mean? And then like find out the girl that got hired is like the cousin of Michael Kors. And I'm like, what? Tell me about how you ended up working for America's top selling glossy magazine. So I was working at a bridal magazine at Condé Nast before that. I was like, all right, time to get out of this one. And I had just put my my resume in with Hearst and they called me back and they're like, all right, we have this opening. Do you want to go for it? And I was like, okay. It, so I kind of fell into that one. I, I wasn't like 
I only want to work here. I wasn't seeking it. I, I mean, I had had experience as an executive assistant and I had experience in magazines. What were you doing in Condé before you went to Hearst? Yeah. So I was at Brides Magazine and I was a wedding style assistant for a year. And then I was assistant to the editor in chief for a year. It was kind of like an, not an easy transition, but it is a transition that made sense. Right. Yeah. And then I started the new role. I was started as the second assistant and then I kind of progressed into the executive assistant. Oh my God. So you were literally Andy Sachs before you were Emily. Yeah. I don't. Okay. But also I'm not sure if I ever became Emily. Um, I think I just like held on so tight to being Andy. Wait, wait, <laughs> did you go to Paris fashion week? I did. <gasps> <laughs> I hopped on that train as well I actually We had so much fun that week I peaked that week That was the best Yeah I got to go to Paris twice Both times for fashion week But it's funny because like I experienced a lot of fashion weeks But not in the way that You would think like a a fashion person experienced them. Like my fashion weeks were spent in a car the whole time with a laptop, just like typing out emails for my boss. Like Sam, at least, at least you were in a bloody car. My fashion weeks were usually spent in an office by myself with two laptops and two phones. I would see the outside of all these shows and like all the chic people. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll just stay in this sedan. (laughs) I'm about to throw up because I get wildly car sick, but like, don't mind me. Like I'm fine. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I went to a couple of shows. Um, Usually like as an accident, I remember when I was at Brides, if my boss wasn't making it to a show, she'd be like, you have to go and fill my seat, Um, which was cool. But it wasn't cool when I got kicked out of the front row at a Proenza show because they're like, you're not this person. I'm like, no, 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 I I know I'm not. But like she told me to sit here and they're like, you got to get the fuck out of here. And then I see like Kylie Jenner and her BFF Jordan at the time, like strutting in and going to exactly where I was sitting. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll peace out. It's fine. Holy shit. That is such a back row story. Most back row story getting kicked off the front row. I actually love that so much. It was so bad. I got kicked off the front row in Florence. If that makes you feel any better at a JW Anderson show, I got the boot. Have you ever broken a chair at a fashion week (laughs) show? Because I have. I can't say I have. No, no. Was it one of those like mic drop moments where like everybody stared at you? I, I've never wanted to shrivel up into my body more than I did in that moment. It was. What happened though? Like was, had, was it mid show? Like what exactly happened? No, it was before the show started. Thank fuck. Um, it was the Mew Mew show and I was sitting second row. I was directly across from Yolanda Hadid. Oh my God, I love it. And like someone else very like cute, like Lucy Hale was right there. And there were these like theater style seats that they had put in. Like they definitely didn't exist in that establishment already. And all of a sudden a girl, two chairs down from me, like went down. And then I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. And how embarrassing for her. And then all of a sudden my ass is on the floor. (laughs) I am also down. And what was so awful about it is both me and the girl that also broke the chair were significantly larger than anyone else in that entire room. Oh my God. Um, So that was awful. 
Was there ever crazy situations where you were contacted at like 4am to do a task or something? Totally. Totally. I just got a flashback to that moment in the Devil Wears Planner. She was like, give me that piece of paper I was holding in my hand yesterday. And she was just like, what? You become a mind reader. One hundred percent. Like it really, it is wild, (laughs) but it's a lot of patience as well. Like I would not be cut out for that job. Like I just, I don't have the patience and I can hardly read minds, just friends, family, whatever. Like I just, I can't, it's very proactive job. I feel like you're almost thinking, okay, I'm just going to get this stuff sorted before they even, the thought even comes into their head kind of thing. Well, yeah, your role as an EA is to make your boss's life easier, essentially. Um, and you're also typically like the liaison between them and the rest of the team. So you kind of like have to predict what's going to happen. You have to know their answer because you can't put every single question in front of them. You know, you have to kind of diffuse things on your own or else like nothing will ever get done. Do you just become good at that by virtue of being in those jobs and those positions and getting to know your team really well? Yeah. I mean, no one, no executive assistant is like killing the job in the first six months. We're all kind of like flailing and drowning in any position you start in. How to get good at your job is like just to start understanding your boss and like becoming close with them and then becoming good at your job just falls into place. So I was really, really close with our editor in chief. Like I called her mom, like I knew every bit of her life and that's how I was able to do my job successfully. You can't, you can't be in this kind of role and be half in. You have to know every scope of it. But then surely you're like blurring the lines between work and personal life. Like how do you keep that balance? Well, there's no balance. (laughs) There's no balance. I'm just getting flashbacks of of when Stanley Tucci was like, tell me when your life is going up in flames. That's when you deserve a raise. Yeah. And, but you'll never get that raise. Um, But yeah, no, if you're expecting a raise in fashion, like find a different job. That's really interesting that you say that because I feel like there's more opportunity for growth now that all of these massive publishing houses are establishing unions. Yeah, we just saw that in Condé. I left the industry prior to it being unionized. So like how it's going now, I can't really say for sure. I just know my experience in it. And damn, was it unfair. What do you think the fashion industry needs to do to open up the opportunities to people from lower class backgrounds, minority communities? What can the industry do to be more inclusive? I mean, I think they have to stop putting so much weight into how many internships you've had. And this is coming from someone who had a stupid amount of internships. That's a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. Because they're all unpaid. A normal person who like actually is hardworking and you'd want to be in your company doesn't have the luxury of having an unpaid internship. Exactly. Yeah. That's just like not how their life works. And that doesn't mean they're less qualified for the job. I know it's changing, but I still think there is a massive amount of work to be done both here in Ireland, in the UK and in the US in these big publishing houses. And it is up to those bigger publishing houses to take ownership and carve that path for people from underrepresented communities who want to come into the industry. I used to give advice to people interning and I would straight up say like, change your address on your resume and just pick an address that's close to the office. Oh, and Jesus Christ. I know that sounds like crazy, 
But if we, so our office was in New York city. And if we would get a resume from someone living in like far out Brooklyn or like New Jersey, where rent is more affordable, like, mm, it's a little too, I didn't do this, but like, I know <laughs> other people would be like, it's a little far from the office. Like, I don't know. It might be hard for them to like commute and they would want someone nearby. But when you break down that kind of thinking, you're like, it's this like microaggression, like it's underlying racism. And it's classism. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. The best thing that happened to Condé in the last 10 years was Edward Enenful because he completely has changed the landscape of who takes the mic, who's the big voice in the conversation. And he has just opened that up. The fashion industry need leaders like him. And I think the industry is so cutthroat that you have to have a certain thickness in your skin to be able to be in those difficult situations or even sometimes be in the room with the the top dogs to even find your voice in those rooms can be very daunting. You have to have a pretty strong sense of self. I know I can still fit into the room. I am on paper. I am white. I am blonde. I have been, I have that privilege, you know, right in fashion. Like it, it is funny when you're not like small or thin trying to work in fashion, you always find yourself kind of like clawing to fit in a little bit. And if you don't tick all of those boxes, like it is an incredibly difficult industry and you are looked at under a very different microscope, regardless of what I would wear, it would like never be right in the office. Granted, I definitely dressed inappropriately in the office, like a tube top and a denim skirt has no place in fashion. But like, <laughs> but I remember like, I thought I looked so nice one day at work and I was wearing like a fitted turtleneck dress. And I was like, yeah, this I think is chic. And I remember the girl next to me was like, whoa, Sam, look at those boobs. And I was like, you're literally wearing a blazer without a shirt underneath it. And my boobs are the problem right now. And that's when I realized I was like, it doesn't matter what I have on my body. Like if I have this body, it will never be appropriate. Can we just stop policing women's bodies, people's bodies, everybody's bodies? Can we just stop? It was always so frustrating. I remember like one of like the the directors, I was like trying to find a dress for a gala and, I was, and they're like, it's kind of boobyish. And I'm like, my entire body is boobyish. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is what I'm going to wear. I don't have the luxury of being a wafy person, you know, like, and that's when I learned when someone's like, oh, chic, they just mean small. Yeah. That's what chic means. Sample size. Mm. Yeah. Me and Ellen were discussing this a little while back about having plus size or just fucking regular size people on covers in designers that don't make clothes to fit their bodies. So they have to get custom orders, which is like the irony uh, of that. Yeah. Are you talking about the Lizzo? Like Lizzo's on the cover of British Vogue and not one thing in that issue would fit her. And she was on the cover no, of it. And I remember walking by the rail of closing in the office being like, oh my God, this is amazing. But everything was custom. But then people are buying the magazine. Somebody who, who sees themselves in Lizzo and they're flicking looking for the fashion and it doesn't even fucking exist. It doesn't exist. Or they go to the exact opposite end of the spectrum and like sexualize any any bigger body. Like um, there was like an L shoot a few months back and they had a plus size girl in it, but every single fashion was like, 
this teeny tiny like slutty outfit and nothing about it was like chic for lack of a better word it was just like porny you know what I mean like it looked cheap everything they put on her looked cheap and I was like why are we putting her in like only leopard right now and they're like look at this big body and how we're gonna sexualize it and then you go flip two pages later and it's this eight page spread on Emily Radikowski and she's wearing like the coolest oversized suit ever and I'm like, no, to, to make this like an equal thing, like put them mm-hmm. in the same stuff, show mm-hmm. these different bodies in the same clothes. You don't have to sexualize a bigger body. Like just because they have boobs, it doesn't mean that has to be the focus of this spread. See, it's so annoying to have supermodels, standard skinny supermodels, and then plus size. Like who the average person is all the people in between usually. So when we have this like plus size label, we're like, well, but they're not, they're not big. It's like, no, that that's just like what a, a body looks like most of the time. Yeah. Cause I want to know what I'm actually going to look like if I was to buy that. I mean, I feel like the fashion trends are obviously trending back to like low rise, anything teeny tiny, but I think everyone's just kind of like, well, fuck it. This is my body in low rise pants, whether you like it or not. If I've learned anything from TikTok or the internet, it's like your body's good to go regardless of what that body looks like. Like, and I'm living for that. I'm like, I'm having my moment. (laughs) What is your advice for somebody who wants to kind of get their foot in the door, be it a print or digital magazine, whether it's an executive assistant or a fashion journalist, what's your advice? I don't want to say that my advice is don't because I don't (laughs) want to crush any dreams, but I think you just like have to really step back and first ask, like, is this something I can handle? Like mentally and financially, especially financially, if you're good to go financially, like, yeah, fucking go for it. If not, like you seriously have to think about how are you going to afford your apartment, your food? Cause it's not going to be from your salary in this industry. And I think that we like so often glamorize like how cool working in fashion is, but like you got to pay the bills. You have to have a savings account. Like, yeah. Prestige doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. A lot of the, and, and clout, it's only going to get you so far. So if you have that luxury, yeah, go for it. If you don't, and you're still like, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. You have to learn how to separate yourself from the job. And you have to learn how to like handle crippling amounts of pressure. For me, how I handled pressure, like anytime a situation got a little sticky, you have to step back, you got to zoom out and be like, all right, if this doesn't happen, is anyone going to die? Right. Like, You're not saving lives. Like what's like, the worst thing that's going to happen to me if I don't get X, Y, and Z done. And if you're in a kind of role and you're like, actually, Sam, like a lot of people die if I don't do this. Well, I have no advice for you. That seems very difficult and good for you. Thank you for your service. But if <laughs> this goes anyone, if you were in any kind of job and you have a ton of pressure, zoom out, get some like perspective. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the biggest, that's the biggest piece of advice I could give to anyone wanting to work in fashion or in any industry, like hold on to that perspective tightly. Don't let yourself get like sucked in or wrapped up because at the end of the day, like it's fucking fashion and it should be fun. It's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. You're trying to like fit this role. And then when you realize I'm like, no one really fits into this role. Like we're all faking it till we make it here. And once you like realize that and you stop taking yourself like so fucking seriously, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. We ask every single guest this question and basically it is, what is your life for a purchase? Usually it's people go for like a bag and it's like about your bag for life. I feel like I have it already. I, my most like special 
life or purchase. Last time when we went to Paris, like for the big gala, when COVID hit, I also, I bought my, I think this is the only designer bag I've ever purchased. And I have a slew of them, but this like this was special because I purchased it myself and it was the Chanel 19 flat bag and it's denim. And like, I feel like I've seen it like all over the city in like black and white leather and like it's an awesome bag, but I Mm. don't see it in denim a whole lot. It's this like medium wash flat bag quilted. It's got two toned hardware Mm. and it's just it's a sick bag, but I think like the memories I have tied to this bag, it was a really special trip for me. I feel like I came into my own, like as a professional in the industry. And I was just so proud of myself. I'm like, I'm buying this with my own money. There is no discount attached to it. Like I earned this fucking bag. Amen. Yeah. Oh my God, that you're going to make me cry. That was so nice. What was your favorite time working as an executive assistant? The Paris trip in 2020, I had to orchestrate and produce this massive gala at the Arts Decoratif. It's like that offset to the Louvre. Um, oh my God, you are literally Andy Sachs. It was, it was, it was sick. It was the coolest thing I've ever done. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But from that, that's when I got to go to the Chanel 2020, was it fall? That show. Did you get to wear Chanel? No, no one's dressing you. That's, that's where it's different. Like no one's giving me a makeover there. They're just like, figure it out. But um, I will say going to those shows is not the norm of this job. I don't want to glamorize it. Before you go, tell me about the freebies. Come on, give it to me. Ah, uh, they were good. <laughs> I can't even lie. They were really good. Um, it's the Chanel handbag for me. It was the boy bag, wasn't it? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. You got, a, you got a free boy bag? I did. So that was probably the best one. I got a jumbo Chanel boy bag in like the black caviar leather. My boss was very generous with birthday gifts. I'm not... I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, My first couple months there, she had given me a Gucci bag and a belt. Birthdays and holidays, like it was amazing. And of course she was gifted a lot of things. And in turn, I think, I think she like took some pity on me. (laughs) She's like, you can actually have this bag, Sam. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that bag. (laughs) bag. I'll take that. Yeah, take pity on me. Take pity on me. (laughs) I, I think she like saw a little bit of me and her because she was like kind of the black sheep of fashion as well. And I, I didn't not fit into where we worked, but as like a, I was not a fashion girly. I'll put it that way. You you know what I mean? Like no one was ever looking at me and being like, Ooh, she, I mean, same. Sam, we'll let you get back to your glamorous life in NYC. And we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope we can meet IRL one day for some, yes. some kind of glamorous cocktail on a rooftop bar in New 100%. York. 100%. See you soon. Oh my God, this was so nice. Thanks so much. Do you know what? Sam would make me want to just jump over to New York tomorrow and start again. Oh, fully. Sam could literally be like, shave off all your hair, Ellen. Like, I believe her. She's the most sound-minded, hardest working person I've ever met. And she's just cool and has so much ease about her. But she says it how it is. It's not easy. It's hard work. It's determination. It's grit. Yeah. What is on your radar for this week, next week? So... 
honestly, it's just people that are on my radar this week. I really like Natalie Rohr. She's the stylist for um, Joy Crooks and she does little, little Sims as well, but she really champions Indian designers. So Joy Crooks is a big fan of, you know, her, like her, if we, we all know her Brits look was unbelievable. It was like crafted by like 40 women. Like it was, it was absolutely unbelievable. She, she just champions Indian, Indian designers. And then her herself, Natalie is uh, just a fantastic fashionista in her own right. But just shout out to an I well, Joy Crooks is actually half Irish as well, but shout out to another Irish designer. Uh, Rian Hanora is an Irish fashion designer. She graduated with a first class honors from the Limerick School of Art and Design. She is just fucking unbelievable. And the reason why I love her so much is she's been dressed in CMAT on her tour for the last couple of weeks. And everyone knows CMAT's iconic looks. They're all like crazy corsets. They look like they've been spray painted with these like crazy patterns they're so fun um I just really like the way you can know a musical artist and then know their like style like you know they, their style just comes into your head straight away yeah and like the stylist almost becomes a celebrity in their own right yeah. as well on the corset trend is also we need to do a shout out to John Mangrew who has been living in New York for the last while as far as I can tell and he's just he's just unbelievable he's on the same wavelength of like just you know upcycling thrifting these like amazing patterns and whatever you can find but a really nice like textile print on it and making it into these corsets and I think he's a super talented guy I honestly think like John is one in a billion his he is so talented he's gonna go so far and I'm I'm actually kind of glad that he is trying to establish himself over stateside now I know it's it's one both very sad when like really good talent goes but at the same time yeah. he's such a talent and I know he's just gonna like burst into flames over there in a good way but yeah Neve, what caught your eye this week there's approximately 10 things sitting in my online cart and they're all from Sharon Sweeney who's also an Irish designer I, I met her last week I freaking oh. love that girl she's so cool oh my god yeah. her her suits her tailoring so she is a slow fashion designer she makes incredible tailoring accessories bags her cuts her silhouettes like I would wear it from now to the grave she's gorgeous it's gorgeous it's giving we love Sharon Sweeney it's absolutely giving she's really nice person in person as well like but you know what's so good about her obviously she's she's all about slow fashion and you know in a very transparent way because she studied environmental science okay makes sense She's only just transitioned very recently to become a fashion designer. She did a course. So basically she finished her environmental science degree and that was it. She was going to do that. And then she just out of curiosity, just did this one-off fashion degree course. Um, I don't think it was like a full degree. It was just like a course. And she was top of her class the whole time. And then the tutor was like, have you ever thought about doing this full time? And she was like, no. And then she actually started thinking about it. And she was like, holy shit, actually, I'm I'm top of my class. I'm really good at this. And then look at her now. She's straight out the gap and she's like, everyone wants her bags. Like I, when I saw her last week, I was like, I love your blouse. Where'd you get it? And she was like, it's mine. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> That's when you know it's yeah. good. But you know, it's really sad. She's currently designing her collections from Dublin mm-hmm. in just in Smithfield in Block T. But 
Block T is going to be torn down in the coming weeks what? to make way for apartments. Ah, fuck off. Yeah, really sad. So if anybody out there with loads of money can, you know, buy Block T back or put it somewhere else in Dublin City, there's a lot of really incredibly talented designers who need these like collective spaces. So I think she's going to continue working or at least I hope she's going to continue working. But it's just a shame that, you know, her her kind of little bolt hole there in, in Dublin is going to be gone. She'll find a new space. She yeah, definitely yeah. will. Talent like that, she definitely will. Um, but this was fun. My God, now now I think I might just um, pack my bags and go to New York, huh? I know. I really miss New York after talking to Sam. But I'm going to Amsterdam, so... Yeah, and Ooh. speaking of packing bags, I'm going to London. And I'm going to Turkey tomorrow. Sorry, oh my I'm actually God. going tonight. Well, tomorrow night or whatever. I don't know, at oh 2 a.m. tonight, whatever that is. You're going to get yourself a gorgeous Turkish boyfriend. Uh, or turkey teeth, as they say in uh, Love Island. Oh my God, you're going to come back with turkey teeth and, turkey and a hair boots. transplant. <laughs> turkey teeth and a hair transplant. Okay, see you next week for uh, Ellen 2.0 with turkey teeth and <laughs> hair transplant and boots. Bye. Bye. <laughs>